0: Coming up is Locked On College Football Kickoff Live, a bonus episode every weekend to get you ready for college football. I'm Drake Toll, the host of Locked On Big 12 and a co-host of Locked On College Football Kickoff Live, recording each and every Friday on your favorite team's feed from 11 a.m. to 1 p.m. Eastern time. Let's get into it. The biggest storylines, the best of college football. That is next. It is Friday. Thanks for joining us again at Locked On College Football Kickoff Live. and making Locked On College Football Kickoff Live your lunchtime listen every single week. That's Kenton Gibb. That's Kenton Gibb. That's Kenton Gibbs of Locked On hey, Wolfpack. Hey, yeah. Drake Toll of Locked On Big 12 here. Kenton, a huge week in college football last weekend. While this weekend doesn't seem to have as many storylines, we've dug up quite a few. And the first... Alabama eliminated so it turns out there's been there have been some murmurs some talks here this isn't your grandpa's Nick Saban that Alabama is officially out of college football playoff contention when you look at the rest of their schedule remaining after a home loss to Texas
1: Well, you know, I I think we talked about this a little bit in in pre-production and we need to bring it back now. Stay off the weed. That (laughs) team has been eliminated from nothing. It is rare to hear a player say all of our goals are still in front of us and know that they're not lying. And that was the case when Alabama players went up for their pressures, not only um, immediately after the game, but even during this week. Everything is still in front of them because they play the almighty SEC.
0: Ken, what happens when you have a quarterback? that can throw the ball really far and mm-hmm. can run the ball, but can't efficiently throw a slant route.
1: What do we do with that? Well, I think we should ask Josh Heupel as well, because <laughs> Bazooka Joe, never mind. Very seriously, though, uh, Money Mill Row is, is, is struggling to make the, the mundane plays, and I tell people all the time yeah. that the extraordinary players just do the ordinary extra well. They do the things that you're supposed to do. They hit the slants. They hit the swings. They hit all of the bubble screens and on time, on target, in rhythm. And that's what makes them really good. The reality is this for Milrow. This yeah. team doesn't need you to be a, a superstar, a Heisman winner, all that good stuff. How many national championships has Alabama won without a Heisman winning quarterback? You get what I'm saying? Like no. the, the reality is they don't need you to go out there and, and make all of these exciting plays. The key for him is to master the mundane. If he can do that, Alabama will get everything that they want that's in front of them. I just don't know if he can at this point in time. That's the question. That's what could eliminate them in the future. But as it stands right now, they have every opportunity to get to where they want to get to.
0: If you're an Alabama fan, I'm going to put our production team on blast for a second. I mean, that was the that was the lead in was Alabama eliminated. Yeah. But if you look at the rest of their schedule, Kenton, somehow, they only have three remaining ranked games and they play in the SEC West. This is a down year for the SEC West. Mississippi State doesn't jump off the page. Arkansas, mm-hmm. worse than they needed to be. Texas A&M is a dumpster fire. Mm-hmm. LSU has already lost by a lot to Florida State. It's LSU, yes. Tennessee, and Ole Miss, the ones that are circled the rest away. And guess what? All of those are at home for Alabama. They've still got a real shot to run the table, go 11-1, and one and get smoked by Georgia in the SEC title game.
1: Absolutely. And there's a chance they do all those things and beat Georgia in the SEC title of the game. And then what's oh. the question? What is the conversation that you have? What is the conversation that you have surrounding this team if they run the table and then find a way? To beat Georgia in that in that SEC championship game. And, I, and I'm gonna toss this back to you, Drake, because this ain't rhetorical now. Do you Hello? think that you put that team in the playoff at that point? An eleven and one or twelve and one Alabama team with a win over Georgia?
0: Um, I think that Antarctica is cold most years. Uh, despite you know the global warming thing is changing some stuff, but yeah, yes, Benton, twelve and one Alabama does make the college football playoff, especially if TCU last year at twelve and one, losers of their conference championship, also right. made the postseason, hundred percent. Right. And again, this is not the usual tough SEC West schedule. Let's be honest. It might not be your grandpa's Nick Saban. He's going to have to adjust to the NIL and transfer portal, the same as schools like Colorado now have done so well so early on. However, Absolutely. however, the rest of the SEC West is also kind of behind here. Let's—that This is not what we're used to in the powerful juggernaut the SEC wants you to think that it is. And at this point, when you look at the rankings, look at the team strength, a&M just got beat by Miami fairly handedly. The Canes controlled yeah. that game. And guess what? I don't think Miami is that great. Not good enough to be able to beat an SEC team
1: like that with a half-full stadium. This is not the SEC that we've been sold. Well, I was told that it just means more. I think it means just as much. I think the SEC means just uh, as much. You know what I mean? That's about it. But in all seriousness, I agree. This is not a, a year where you're looking at this team So often when you talk about coming out of either side of the SEC, there have been years where we're like, you need to be a dominant force. You need to be perfection if you want to make it out of this side of the SEC. Now it's like, I mean, be a good team, you know, beat the teams that you're supposed to beat and, you know, you'll you'll generally get there.
0: And somebody out there is throwing their phone across the room or punching their computer or they're turning the Bluetooth off in their car because they're,
1: oh, I'm an SEC
0: fail. Chris They're, they're
1: Big 12 oh, and oh, ACC, guys. Oh, they don't know no real ball. they
0: all that stuff. The SEC is the best conference in college football, and it's not yeah. close. I w- yeah. You can have that every day of the week, twice on Sunday. That's fine. But this is not as good of an SEC as we saw two, three years ago, especially when the West is so down. There are only three ranked teams in the west right now uh Ole Miss LSU and Alabama and one of those yeah. already got smoked by a team from the ACC so let's be honest the SEC is the best conference in college football however it's not as good as it was a year or two ago I can we can we at least meet in the middle of
1: there somebody please well two of those teams actually have already been smoked by uh oh, ACC yeah? teams you know what I mean like LSU got no moss; they got tapped out they say hey, we at least Alabama went down fighting LSU and Brian Kelly say hey listen we're not interested in being in this game anymore y'all got it we're in Orlando we're a long way from home the light's too bright pissing down my leg a little bit that's just what happened there you know what I mean thank God our, our pants are yellow to disguise it looks like sweat that's what happened with LSU okay and so I'm I'm not sure that I can definitively say the SEC is the best conference in football now granted this could just be because you don't SEC have to have-
0: you don't have to I will so continue. This,
1: this could be because the SEC was the best by a mile in the past, and that gap has closed from a wide chasm to like, mm, we got to look at this thing one for one. But I mean, in that same regard, you could also say the results so far this season have said as far as out of conference matchups against fellow power five teams, the SEC just ain't it with all due respect.
0: Okay, well, with all due respect, you're wrong. Um, The SEC is still the powerhouse conference of college football until it stops winning national championships, which won't happen. Now, I'll give you this, Kenton. It's probably not the deepest conference in college football. The SEC this year only seems to go about three to five deep. I think there are some leagues that could make a case to go six or seven deep, a la the Pac-12 that has eight ranked teams and doesn't exist anymore. So, I I, – Kent, we've been in the show for eight minutes. I'm already fired up. You know what? Speaking of fired up, <laughs> uh, Jay it. Stevens of Locked On Buckeyes is, is uh, I fired up. a word, I guess he gave his reaction because the Buckeyes have named Kyle McCord their new starting quarterback. Jay, what do you got for us? But the Buckeyes,
2: two games in, two and zero. Kyle McCord started the first two games against Indiana, against Youngstown State, and going into week three. I think this is a great move by Ryan Day. Now, the quarterback battle has gotten a lot of attention here and a lot of attention other places as well because it's important. Who your starting quarterback is is pivotal to how successful your team is going to be. Now, we've all looked at also, hey, is this going to be the 2015 season, or is it going to be X, Y, or Z, or is Ohio State going to have to make a move like Nick Saban did in the natty, pulling uh, Jalen Hurts, putting in Tua, then ultimately going in there and winning the national championship, making that monumental move at halftime of that game. I don't know if that's going to happen or going to be needed to happen, but this isn't 2015. This is not the same situation as um, Alabama and Tua and Jalen Hurts. This is a Buckeye situation where you have two guys at Ohio State who are really good football players. One guy's a little bit more green than the other. The one guy who is not as green as the other, and McCord, has played quite a bit of ball, a little bit of ball over the past couple years as he's been a Buckeye quarterback at his first start in 2021 against Akron. Stroud did not play. McCord comes in, I believe he threw for over 300 passing yards in that game, just to give you a little thought and little taste of what McCord did during his first game starting as the quarterback for the Ohio State Buckeyes. But this is different than 2021. This is a whole lot, a bigger, different animal. You're going into this season with a quarterback battle that is ultimately over. Now, if the quarterback battle is over, that is not the end of the two-quarterback system that Ryan Day is possibly going to use. Ryan Day made a comment saying, Devin Brown is still going to play. Great. I have made my spill. I've said my things about this very topic. There are numerous games on the book I schedule that two-quarterbacks should play. Not because of a two-quarterback system being the best way to win the game, but because the game should be so out of hand, the backup needs to come in to give the, the starter some rest and the rest of his body, but also to allow the backup to get a little bit of playing time.
0: All right, two things. <clears throat> the first, I still want Jay Stevens to narrate my life. Uh, that is <laughs> dude, absolute um, unit. Absolute the second unit and guy. more important thing, Ken. What if I told you? That big, bad Indiana played Ohio State a couple weeks ago and one Kyle McCord went 20 for 33. 239 yards, no touchdowns, and an interception. I know what you're thinking. We must have run the ball damn well. Two carries, eight yards. Congrats, Ohio State. You found your quarterback.
1: I mean, listen, at the end of the day, we're not there for the practices every day and all that, and we're not there for the ins and outs of who looks best and all that. But I'll tell you, if he continues, if McCord continues with with this type of play – that's not going to be their quarterback for very long. (laughs) Like Ryan Day didn't say, you know, so for example, if we look at the NFL, Kyle Shanahan said Brock Purdy would have to melt in practice to not be the starter, right? Ryan Day didn't say anything along those lines. He said, hey, this is our guy. This is who's going to be our starting quarterback. This is who we're rocking out with. This is who we believe gives us the best chance to win. You know, so with that being said, there's always that asterisk of even whether the coach says this out loud or not, it's like, it, it adds a little respect for me personally, but that asterisk of, and that's what it is for right now. He gives us the best chance to win right now. He didn't want to say that, but that's the reality, right? Like, this isn't a situation where McCord is the guy and there's nothing he can do. Go, go ahead and have a three-interception game, brother. See what happens then.
0: Yeah, I. Um, I mean, he played fine against Youngstown State. Uh, I had a couple stats against Youngstown State as well. So yeah, you're yeah. looking at a quarterback in Kyle McCord that doesn't strike fear in college football. Like, it's it's almost a, a Beck or a Milrow right now that I look at and I think, hmm, Still a lot to prove there before I can buy this young quarterback at a powerhouse school Uh, saying in the Big Ten to Michigan State. Holy cow, this whole Mel Tucker deal is nuts, Kenton. So basically to to unwrap this a bit. So there was a sexual assault survivor and advocate who came to Michigan State's campus on an invite from Mel Tucker, the same guy who signed a 10 year contract with the school. So she comes there. They strike up a, a relationship that is strictly platonic. And then there is a lewd phone conversation that he takes on with her, unwarranted, unwanted. So along with this, when when all of this breaks out and he is interviewed by her attorneys, her team, he lies about the whole thing, where he was, what he was doing, the nature of the phone call. And it has come out that objectively Mel Tucker lied about a lot of stuff. And usually what do you do when you're guilty? Kenton, you lie about the little things The way that I see this, Michigan State was already thinking, oh, no, we gave this guy a 10-year deal. This could be bad. The buyout's huge. They were thinking, huh, I mean, wouldn't be the worst if something happened for cause, and he gave it to them. Michigan State didn't have to drub this up or or dig around. Mel Tucker just said, oh, hey, do you need to fire me? Here, I'm going to do something really bad that while married, by the way, if you want to add that little nugget in there too, and, and he gave them a reason to say, all right,
1: Let's part ways. So first thing first, to save Lockdown's lawyers a lot of uh, headache here. All of this is alleged, right? This is all the information that we had This Very is alleged. Nice. Very nice, we are Captain. not saying that we know the facts of this case. Per USA Today, or, by the way. let's go per, Exactly. Per, per USA, USA Today. today. No, the, we, no. we this is, These are the facts that we're getting secondhand or thirdhand. Really. Mm. With that being said, you know, a lot of people are harping on the 27 phone calls all at night and whether or not it was considered or not. This man had a morality clause in his contract, as most nine, ten-figure contracts do. Ladies, gentlemen, non-binary folks, adults, children, and different, anybody listening to this show, if you have a life-changing amount of money on the line, even if you have a day-changing amount of money on the line, do not, do not, do not do anything that can compromise that, that is absolutely unnecessary because even if we say, "Hey, nothing illegal was done here; there were no laws violated," you still violated the morality clause. That's yeah. still an objective fact. That's still so. You know, this is this is a a a black eye on you know college football and on Michigan State as a whole with everything that they've been dealing with so far lately. And I'm going to make one last point and kick it back to you on this one. I've been hearing a lot of, and I hate talking things like this on a sports show because it's supposed to be sports. It's supposed to be fun. I hate hearing the talk of, has Mel Tucker ruined it for other black coaches? That's not how this works. That's not how this works, right? Like, we weren't saying that about Rick Pitino, Bobby Petrino. Urban we Meyer. weren't saying that about He's Urban. He's still on I was just about TV. We're we not saying this about any other coaches. Mel made a terrible decision for Mel. Mel made a terrible decision, and he deserves all the vitriol. He deserves all the think pieces. He deserves a bit of criticism, the firing, everything that's coming his way. He deserves all of it. He deserves all of it. But that does not mean that you can use the actions of one man to castigate and denigrate an entire group of coaches that have done well. What has James Franklin done besides lose to Ohio State, Michigan? What has Deion Sanders done so far, besides wear uh, hat and shades when he's talking to reporters, which is apparently a thing now? What has Jay Norvell done? You see what I'm saying? Like yeah. there are multiple coaches at the highest level that there is no their reputations are very clean, and so to use this one. To paint that light, it's a it's a very nasty narrative that I I just don't approve
0: of. It's a narrative that was unnecessary. It, nobody was nobody was asking this question, and then people were like, oh, you know, let's drum this one up exactly. Uh, complete and again, what what happened in this scenario? is is something that, t- to me, is certainly fireable. And Michigan State, that, that's where this thing is leading with Mel Tucker. Now, if you're that program that has been, in the last 10 years, steeped in controversy across multiple different parts of your athletic department, not a good look for Michigan State that seems to be in a spot right now where Ooh, I, I mean, I, I if I'm a coach somewhere else, is that the culture I want to walk into? And I know that's really tough to hear as a Michigan State fan, but this is piled on and piled on across the athletic department.
1: So let's bring this back. Let's bring this thing full circle because everybody don't realize it's the circle of life and it moves us all. Do you know who the new interim head coach is of this team or associate interim head coach is of this team? Is it
0: D'Antoni? The big D'Antoni back?
1: D'Antonio, the guy who got kicked out in the first place Yeah. for – Allowing some some players to get away with some rather salacious things again, allegedly because he retired before the investigations concluded. But the the coach, you know, left under some, again, very questionable circumstances is now back. That's how far this thing has gone, you know, and it's again, it's a it's a very sad situation that you look at an athletic department that is. From top to bottom, you just randomly see all of these stories popping up and piling on one university to the point where it's it's getting to the point I wouldn't be surprised if somebody that's like over the university at large steps in and says, all right, we have to run all of the searches for these coaches. We have to institute yeah. extra policies for these coaches because it's it's just a terrible situation. It really and truly is. And again, you're talking about not a program that is is a stranger to yeah. – Um, controversy. You're talking about years upon years upon years of being in and out of courtrooms for inaction against these types of things. So, of course, Mel Tucker's gone, D'Antonio's back, and we, of course, he's D'Antonio's not the head coach now, but who knows where this thing could go.
0: Yeah. Well, Kenton, let's go back to the fun stuff. Absolutely. Light, let's do the fun The stuff. lighthearted, awesome, about. the awesome things that we love about sports. Uh, we've got some playoff contenders, pretenders, contenders that we've talked about the last couple of weeks. This week, hey, we're going to discuss Penn State that always seems to be overlooked. We have their host, Zach Seiko, to join us here on this show. But first, Kenton, what do you got from LinkedIn?
1: Absolutely. Well, folks, some folks are uh, already we talked about at leg directors a little earlier. Some of these at leg directors need to get in on LinkedIn College as well, because I know you're looking for a new hire. But these days, every new potential hire can feel like a high stage wage for your small business. You want to be 100 percent certain that you have access to the best qualified candidates available. That's why you have to check out LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn Jobs will help you find the right people for your team faster. Trust me, I am a recruiter when I'm not doing this and I have hired folks off of LinkedIn jobs and to some of the startups that I've worked for. So I can personally vouch for this product. I've used it myself and it did not let me down. If you want to get in on this, all you have to do is create a free job post on LinkedIn jobs, then add your job and the purple hiring hashtag frame to your LinkedIn banner to spread the word that you're hiring. Simple tools like screening questions make it easy to focus on candidates with the right skills and experience so you can quickly prioritize who you'd like to interview. So, folks, that is LinkedIn jobs to help you find the jobs, help you find the most qualified candidates you want to talk to faster. Post your job for free at LinkedIn.com slash locked on college. That's LinkedIn.com slash locked on college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions do apply.
0: Ken, after a couple of weeks of college football, it seems that the public has eliminated Alabama and Clemson from contention. Mm-hmm. So who is still in that picture for now? Let's bring in locked on Nittany Lions, Zach Seiko. <music> Zach Saco joining locked on college football live today. Zach, it's a Penn state team. That, and I just said it, I'll back it up. They seem overlooked Every year, because the big hump is trying to get over the Big Ten, win a Big Ten championship, and that's what it usually takes to get in a college football playoff. What do you make of this Penn State team, A, being overlooked, and B, that being a bonus to try to make a playoff run?
3: Yeah, people still view Penn State as this fringe top ten team. Okay, that they're going to go ten and two. They're going to fall to the likes of Ohio State. They're definitely going to lose to Michigan. They'll they'll finish ten and two. They'll go to a bowl game, and who knows if they play an SEC team or a Pac twelve, Pac two, Big Twelve, whatever. Uh, if they play that one, then they're all oh, they're going to win, and then they're just gonna they're going to look good in the spot. Like This is one of the most well rounded Penn State teams that I've personally seen. Okay, you have the five-star quarterback. You have two future – you have a first-round pick at quarterback. You have two future first-round picks at running back. You have a franchise left tackle, a future top-ten pick in all new fashion. The defense has a bunch of future first-round picks, whether it's Caitlin King, Chop Robinson, I, I mean, I, Abdul Carter. Penn State is absolutely loaded, and they shouldn't be taken lightly. the The gap has closed definitely on Ohio State – Everybody knows about Michigan. So we'll see when that contest rolls around in Beaver Stadium, just how close Penn State is to a very good Wolverine team. I'm not going to try to sit here and, and undermine them, but I know that the, cla- the gap is closed on the Buckeyes. So Penn State, uh, if things go the way I think they do, they at least go 11 and 1. The question is, can they go 12 and 0?
1: Okay. And you know what? I'm going to tell you this, okay? I'm a Cast Tech guy. You got two of them on your roster, King, Twins, you know. Yep. Much love to y'all, boys. With that being said, in terms of in terms of what has helped close that gap on Ohio State and even narrowed the gap with Michigan, what has Penn State done to kind of even that playing field out in, a bit? And what typically people could look at and say, "Hey, Penn State's gonna be great, but they can still pencil in the W. Why can't they this year?"
3: So Penn State has improved mainly because of that that capability on the ground. Okay. It's, it starts with the offensive line. You know, I'm a big believer in you, you win battle up front in the trenches. Okay. The offensive line is the best that it's been. We've been saying for the past decade, because we know for the reasons that they lost the scholarships and Penn state had to focus its resources towards getting skilled guys, as opposed to getting the big guys up front. But now they, they've really settled in. They brought in an offensive line or uh, coordinator that is just, he recruits, He's very good at recruiting, and, and he's built the, – like, they, there's tiers to it now. They don't just have starters. they got guys that can back up the backups. And then when you have running backs who, like I said, Nicholas Singleton projects to be, like, a top-ten pick. Katron Allen's definitely uh, in the first round. It's just a matter of where. Uh, those two guys to go along with it, that's why they played right away as, as true freshmen. So even before we get to Drew Aller, Penn State – Two seasons ago in 2021, they're playing Illinois. They went to nine overtimes because they couldn't close out a bad team. Okay? Wow. Penn State was throwing bubble screens on first and 10 to try to pick up some yardage. That was their ground game because they had a Noah Kane who just didn't recover right away from the ACL surgery. And then Kivon Lee just isn't a top running back. Okay? He's, he's okay. He's decent but he's not the likes of Singleton and Allen here. So that's why Penn State is able to dictate the pace of the game, win time of possession, and they can go quick, 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 and the offense is finally dynamic, it's balanced, and you have to pick your poison between Drew Aller and then Singleton and Allen in the ground game.
0: Aller, Singleton, Allen, Lambert, Smith. I mean, there are some big names in this Penn State team that I think more people across college football should know. Not saying household, but they should at least know. Do you think any of these guys have a shot, an outside shot, at the Heisman trope? Because I look at what they do, and I think, all right, all these elite teams we're talking about seem to have one or two Heisman contenders. Who is Penn State's guy? You think, all right, this dude's got a real shot to go to New York if Penn State puts this together.
3: Aller Singleton, uh, just uh, say now. The discussion for Penn State has been where the explosive runs been, where where are they coming from, when are they going to be here? The wide receivers have let them down in terms of downfield blocking because Nicholas Singleton is that big big play player for out out of the backfield. Catron Allen, I would say, is a a Heisman hopeful, but because Singleton can break off the eighty yard touchdown at any point in time. Uh, He's got the speed to do it. I would say that he's the more talented of the two. It's no disrespect to Catron Allen, uh, but Singleton does have that big playability. And right now he leads the team in rushing touchdowns for Drew Aller. You got to look at the stat line for Drew Aller. He's been extremely efficient. No turnovers, no interceptions. Granted it's West Virginia. It's Delaware. Illinois will be the first true test. Then you got a much better defense in terms of Iowa, just uh, right, right after that in the whiteout. So Drew Aller, is really going to get a chance to back up the pedigree and say, okay, it's not just inflated because we're playing teams that are significantly lower than us. You know, I'm as good as advertised. My completion percentage is through the roof. I'm not turning the ball over. I look like a veteran quarterback. And then those passing through for 325 and three touchdowns against West Virginia in week one, because they had to. West Virginia sold out for the run and Drew Aller showed out. So those are the two guys, uh, if you're going to look for Heisman contenders on this Penn State team.
1: Absolutely. And in terms of who's a guy that nobody's thinking about, you know, what I mean, who's a guy that that the nation may not know the nation may not be thinking about in terms of right now in those, you know, first round draft pick conversations that you say this guy could be an X factor. This guy, if you're watching a big game, you're watching that Michigan or Ohio State game. This guy could be the guy that make the play that wins us the game. I, Don't I, be I, afraid to say Kobe King. I wouldn't be mad at you. I wouldn't <laughs> be mad. I wouldn't be mad, you know.
3: So just because there are some guys that just don't get the due respect that that are above him right now, because I like Kobe King a lot. Okay, Mm -hmm. I think he's someone that that I've I've raved about the three linebackers that they have at the on the field all at the same time. So I'll pivot to his uh, linebacker counterpart, and that is Curtis Jacobs. Curtis Jacobs was left off award watch list. And then NFL scouts have quietly said, hey, this guy is a top five linebacker in next year's NFL draft. So it's like, what are you doing at the college football level when you leave a guy off of award watch list and the NFL scouts are saying, no, this guy's pretty good. We could take him probably early on day two, maybe on day one, depending on how the combines go and everything else. But he's had double digit tackles. Everyone likes to talk about Abdul Carter because he wears 11, flies all over, all over the football field. But Curtis Jacobs uh, has quietly been the linebacker that's really held the glue of the it been the glue of the defense. To to add on top of what they already do with the blitzes and the explosiveness, the veteran coming back could have went to the NFL draft last year. Now he's going to be a top five linebacker prospect for 2024. So that's that's an unsung hero. Um, as far as offense, I'll, I'll go with the tight ends, Theo Johnson and Tyler Warren. They're co-starters. They've been running a lot of 12 personnel, having two tight ends on the field at the same time because you can't keep them off. The offense uh, is able to be built with the fact that they can do so much more. So they've been quiet in the passing game because Penn State's needed them to just be a, you know, a helping hand when it comes to blocking right. and that's fine. But Theo Johnson has been talked about as a unicorn because he's six foot six two sixty, and the way that he runs uh, is is very uh, – you just have to see it you have, when you watch the game. Very fast when he does go out there for a pass. And then Tyler Warren, described by CBS Sports, as the best secret in college football, so I'll take their word for it.
1: Yeah. Zach- well, us media guys know nothing. Drake is nine toes down about this to tell you we know nothing because he <laughs> lost the toe saying the Clemson wasn't going to lose the Duke. But so. I got
0: it back. Yeah. But I got it back when Texas beat <laughs> Alabama, Ken. Uh, so I Zach- now. Before we get you out of here, the the thesis, the 15-second thesis, if somebody's going to know about this Penn State team and why they should go to the college football playoff, it's always been losses in the big games and maybe one slip in a small game. What makes this Penn State season different?
3: Uh, They're motivated. They're well-coached. James Franklin between Mike Yersuch, Manny Diaz. They finally had continuity, consistency. They were always rotating coordinators. That's the first part of it. The system is in place, and then they have the talent to back it up. You have not just three stars and lowly four stars. You now have four stars and those highly touted five-star players. So Drowler, Nicholas Singleton, Catron Allen, Abdul-Carter, we've named it up and down the roster, Kaelin King, Chop Robinson out of the transfer portal. I mean, the talent is there to go along with the system of probably the best coordinator setup that Penn State has had over James Franklin's tenure. Mike Yersich, Manny Diaz, are both head coaches uh, mm-hmm. at coordinator spots.
0: That's Zach Sago, Locked On Nickney Lions. Zach, thanks for joining college, Locked On College Football Kickoff Live.
3: Absolutely, thanks for having me.
0: All right, Kenton, one of the biggest storylines we buried. We have buried the lead. Mm-hmm. Colorado, Deion mm-hmm. Sanders. We're going to get that a couple of times in today's show, but let's jump in right now first. This team, I mean, we, we were buying them last week. Are you, yeah? I guess you're still buying them this week after they dominated Nebraska in a game that was personal.
1: I was the first one to buy stock in Colorado, and it's a hoddle, baby. It's a hoddle. I'm holding this thing until the wheels fall off. Now, let me tell you this. Let me tell you this. I think let me tell that- you something. Talk all to him. Right, Talk to I, I,
0: it's a light, it, it was a vine. You you're too oh, old.
1: Oh okay. All right. All right. Well, let me let, well, Drake. Me and you are about the same age now. Don't don't do me <laughs> like that. The ball head is fooling you. But here's the reality. I have a lot of faith in this Colorado team. Uh, the under over that Vegas has on, them, I believe, is six and a half at this point. I I uh, still think that they have the opportunity to get over that. I'm not necessarily buying them as a playoff team yet. Because when your defense looks how they've looked at certain points in time this season, you're living on a, a on the edge a little bit. And they have to, have to, have to get better defensively before I can say, hey, I trust this team to be in the playoffs. And also, Travis Hunter and, and all that he's done, that young man is playing 110, 120 snaps a game. They need to start blowing teams out if they want him to be good and fresh for late in the season. Like, yes, we can say, hey, 110, he still looks good after week one, going into week two. What does that look like when you're going into USC? What does that look like when you're at, at you know, you're in the dog days of, of week 11 and you're saying to yourself, now, wait a minute, what's, what's 110 or 120 times uh, 11 here? You're looking at a very, very different situation when you've got a guy playing over a thousand snaps where he's either targeted on defense or a, a guy that's having to go all out on offense. Yeah, it's tough. It's tough for me to say that, but I do believe that this team is a good team. I do believe that this team can shake some folks up, scare some folks and all that good stuff. And I'll tell you what, we saw with TCU last year. You don't necessarily need a great defense. You need timely stops. You need to create turnovers, which they have done so far this year. So could they be that type of team? Possibly that type of contender. But, you know, I'm I'm just sad because I know the buzzers are are circling. They're waiting for Dion to lose to say, oh, ah, we told you. We told you. So what? That it was to and Riley and the team that's probably going to go to the playoffs or just short the playoffs. We told you all along that Colorado wasn't about nothing. Kenton,
0: obviously we'll get into this conversation later in the show, but I want to preface it. This whole Jay Norvell thing, I think Jay Norvell is a genius. Because mm-hmm. this entire week we've been talking about one name and one team, Deion Sanders in Colorado. Yeah. Kenton, I am the host of Lockdown College Football Kickoff Live. And I had no idea who the Colorado State head coach was three days ago. <laughs> now I do because Jay Norvell, marketing genius. No publicity is bad publicity. So now if you look up Deion Sanders' name, what name pops up with it? Jay Norvell. Jay Norvell, Colorado State. They've been at ESPN and Fox have been in his office asking questions about Colorado all week long to him and his players. He took the attention, brought it to himself. And what did Deion Sanders say? Oh, now it's personal. Dion, it was personal last week and the week before that. And is it just going to be personal every week? Maybe they buy that within the program. But to me, on the outside of the program, it thinks, okay, at some point this whole personal narrative has to die. Jay Norvell tried to trap Dion into sounding – really weird about a really small team right you know if somebody's mm-hmm. super inferior to you says something you usually use brush them off not dion no this made it personal kent we'll get to that conversation later because i know you got a lot i know you got right, lot i of about you to say pay. hold on now
1: hold on but we, we, we go ahead go ahead i know go you ahead. got a lot
0: to say about it we yeah. got uh, a lot of awesome we got conference confidential coming up we've also got uh, got to go around with lockdown razorbacks host john neighbors as well uh, but first conference confidential whatever we call that but first hey what do you got for us Kent?
1: All righty. Well, I got some FanDuel for you, folks. I know we're talking college football right now, but trust me, we've also got NFL action. Get ready for the NFL season with incredible offers from FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers can bet $5 and get 200 in bonus bets guaranteed. Plus, all customers who bet $5 will get $100 off NFL Sunday ticket from YouTube and YouTube TV. You heard that right. You turn that $5, flip it into $300 worth of value potentially. Ain't that crazy? Now is the best time to join FanDuel. The app is easy to use. You can bet everything from spreads to player props and more. So visit fanDuel.com slash locked on and kick off the NFL season with an offer you don't want to miss. I'm not going to say it's an offer you can't refuse because, you know, we're nice guys here. We, we don't want you to do nothing you don't want to do. It's just an offer you should get in on, okay? FanDuel, the official partner of the NFL.
0: It's an offer you must take, or you have to cut your left pinky toe off with a rough foot That's what I was supposed to say, Kenton, but all right, whatever. Conference confident. Not a ton of big rivalry games this week. I, hear, I keep hearing from people on both sides, this is a boring week of college football. You weren't saying that four weeks ago when you really wanted football to return, were you? Is- no, you weren't. And some teams, though, could be on upset alert this week, while others have opportunities to make a statement. So let's go around the country, get the latest from our Locked On Conference hosts, starting with Craig Scheman of Locked On Big Ten.
4: so this weekend both big 10 coaches in the state of michigan are suspended it's been a crazy time in big 10 country of course mel tucker will not be on the michigan state sidelines because of accusations of sexual harassment so on saturday assistant harlan barnett takes over with an assist from former head coach mark d'antonio who's coming out of retirement for this game against the washington huskies who come in with heisman hopeful michael Penix jr at quarterback And he used to be the quarterback of the Indiana Hoosiers, so he could be comfortable coming into East Lansing. He's played in this stadium before. This will be the final week of Michigan Coach Jim Harbaugh's suspension, the self-imposed three-game suspension he's been serving out. The Wolverines take on Bowling Green. Offensive coordinator, Sharon Moore, will handle the head coaching duties. And I heard Michigan's going with the all blues with this one. Blue jerseys, blue pants, cool look. Couple of quarterback announcements this week, finally. Ryan Day has made it official. He has settled on Kyle McCord as the starting quarterback for the Ohio State Buckeyes. The Buckeyes host Western Kentucky for their final tune-up before the next weekend's game against Notre Dame. And Tom Allen has decided on Taven Jackson as his starting quarterback moving forward for Indiana. The Hoosiers play Louisville. It's not in Bloomington this weekend. It's up in Indianapolis at Lucas Oil Stadium, home of the Indianapolis Colts. Saturday does feature one Big Ten versus Big Ten team on the schedule. Undefeated Penn State rolls into Illinois. Expect an orange out crowd there. I don't know if it's going to compare to Penn State's white out crowds, which is next week, by the way, against Iowa. But they're going with the all orange. We'll see how that looks in Champaign. And the most intriguing game on the schedule, I think, might be P.J. Flex, Golden Gophers, Minnesota, hitting the road to take on Mac Brown's North Carolina Tar Heels. The Heels are eight-point favorites in this one, but I think Minnesota's defense is sneaky good. And if North Carolina Heisman candidate Drake May it plays anything like he has the past couple of weeks, Minnesota's got a chance. Look, Drake May has not lit it up yet. He threw two interceptions in the South Carolina game, and he needed two overtimes to beat App State. So I'm saying it's out there to be had. And finally, don't forget, Friday Night Lights again in the Big Ten, 2-0 Maryland hosting Virginia. The Terps have a great running back in Roman Hemby and, of course, quarterback Talia Tangaboyola. So it should be good. Enjoy the games this weekend. I'm Craig Sheeman for Locked On Big Ten.
5: What's up, everybody? Candace Cooper here, Locked On ACC. And here are the games you should check out from my conference. The Backyard Brawl, always a doozy. Phil Dr. Kovic is new to this game, but Pitt Panthers are not. What will he bring as he's had a shaky start to the season? Can he turn things around for this offense? Defense has been holding strong per usual. And West Virginia game is always one where you just never know what you're gonna get. So look forward to tuning into that one in West Virginia, that I might add. Let's also talk about the fact that we have another Big Ten opponent. North Carolina and Minnesota, for the first time ever, are going to be playing against each other in Chapel Hill, so that should be a fun doozy. Can North Carolina hold still, bounce back after a shaky App State game? It's gonna be one where we can we see Drake may continually improve he has had. Not the best Heisman campaign right now, but there is still so much ball left to go. Final one, I would say, as we're talking through these games, Georgia Tech and Ole Miss. Georgia Tech showing up, not saying they're gonna defeat, but a big show up in a big way after last season getting obliterated by the Rebels can the Yellow Jackets show that the improvement is there, possibly an upset, taking down a top 25 team. It'll be a great, it'll be a great one to watch. So make sure you check it out.
6: Well, this week's slate in the Pac-12 doesn't quite match up to Week Two's non-conference affairs, but still some games that bring a lot of intrigue to our beloved Conference of Champions. Spencer McLaughlin here for Locked On Pac-12. The only Power 5 matchup that anyone's paying attention to in the Pac-12 this week is Washington at Michigan State, which now has external factors at play. And you just wonder, is a team going to play inspired or defeated when an interim coach is inserted? Washington has been really impressive through two weeks so far. They stumbled in the first quarter against Boise State a little in the second. Then they found their footing and they won that game comfortably. Tulsa never had a chance playing in Seattle, but Washington has a chance to go and make a statement on the road at Michigan state. They're a big favorite and they have become a greater favorite since it was announced that Mel Tucker would not be coaching the game in East Lansing on Saturday But the Huskies, nevertheless, are playing their first Power 5 opponent of the year. They've taken care of a couple of G5 opponents pretty handily. They haven't struggled in the fourth quarter of either of those games. But on the road, hostile environment against a 2-0 football team, we'll see what Michigan State is able to give them. Last year in Seattle, the Huskies really controlled the game from the early portions of it. And then Michigan State made a late surge, but never truly threatened to get back into uh, the winning side of things against the Huskies. So if they go in and dominate the way that a lot of people expect, them to, they will solidify themselves as a conference contender and a college football playoff contender here in 2023. A couple other games to note Fresno State goes to Tempe. Fascinating game because the Bulldogs out of the Mountain West are favored against Arizona State. They're a three-point underdog. That might be a candidate for the Pac-12 prime picks this week. ASU playing their third straight game at home, looking to get over 500 once again under first-year head coach Kenny Dillingham. And Arizona comes back home after a great fight against Mississippi State last week to play UTEP. I think they could win that game over the minors. Really, really big. That's a rundown for the Pac-12 this week. Catch Locked on Pac-12 on YouTube and wherever you get your podcast, Monday through Friday, all year long.
0: was a look around college football here on college football kickoff live with our conference confidential don't forget big conferences the biggest conference the big 12 is coming up later on in the show Kenton Gibbs it is time for boom or bust let's take a look at some college football teams that we think have not been as good as advertised and teams that have been better than advertised we'll start with you Kenton your number one boom of college football so far
1: Absolutely. I mean, there were a lot of choices here. There were a lot of teams I thought have looked very, very good so far this season. FSU, I, you know, I, and I'm not saying this because I'm a co-host of Locked On ACC. Keon Coleman has been dominant. We thought, hey, he's going to be a good one-two punch with Johnny Wilson. He said, no, I'm one and two. Everybody else get behind me. He's jumping over guys. He's I, I, I've never seen a receiver. In a power five game, signal, throw me the fade ball as much as I did with him against LSU. And guess what happened more often than not when he got that fade ball? He was coming down with it. Number four is having a parade inside the end zone. Yeah, Skip Bayless would say. So uh yeah, it was a it was a very, very exciting time for Florida State in week one. Week two, of course, everybody expected them to whoop Southern Miss. Now they're they're going forward with more games of teams that aren't quite on, on pace with them, but that's not because they have a terrible schedule. It's because they're legitimately that good right now. They're looking amazing.
0: Kent, we got a little extra time. So we'll go two booms and two busts apiece. I'll give you my boom, Washington. Michael, what mm. well, why are we not talking about the Huskies and what they've done so far this season now. Look, let's be honest. It is a it, the Pac-12 is not something that we were talking about before the year began. Now they have eight ranked teams. So the right. Huskies schedule is not going to be easy, but they have taken care of business when they needed to. Now, and what I mean by that is there are so many squads, especially in the SEC, who've just not played anybody yet. We just haven't seen them yeah. play a team where you say, all right, here's how we, here's how they stack up. This Washington squad ended last season with a seven-point win against Texas in a bowl game. They beat Boise State 56 to 19, beat Tulsa 43 to 10. The defense is good. The offense is better. This is a team that we are not talking about enough. That is a dangerous, dangerous squad to not only win the pack 12, but also to go to the college football playoff. And I think similar to Penn State, we're skipping over that. The difference in Washington and Penn State, Washington doesn't have to play Ohio State or Michigan to get the CFP. They've got to play Cal, Michigan State, Arizona. Of course, they have the USC and Washington on there, but they also have the Stanford on their schedule. I think Washington's got a legitimate shot to go to the CFP, Kenton, they are one of my booms this year. Let's go into bus next. Who is one bus that you've got before we go back to the booms?
1: Oh, man, I I think that there are so many teams that could have fallen into this bus category so far. And I really could go in for days and days on some of the teams that haven't shown up so far this season. But I'm going to call one team to the carpet that I just have not seen anything from this season with all due respect. Tennessee Volunteers, come on down the way the Tennessee fans talked about Milro not being able to pass the ball on these basic routes, the way they talked about him and his inability to read defenses, are you forgetting that Joe Milton ran out of bounds to end the game? Are you forgetting that that guy's now your starting quarterback? Hey, listen, I love the nickname. Bazooka Joe is one of the best nicknames in all of sports. R.I.B. Mm-hmm. Mean, Joe Frazier. We love it on Joe Milton. We love the shirts in the NIL and all that. That boy needs to prove to me that he can hit a quick out. That offense needs to prove to me, I watched them play against Virginia, and Virginia, without Chico Bennett, their best defender and potentially best player, held their offense down until the last, literally the last five minutes of the second quarter. Folks, I'm telling you right now, I'm worried about this Tennessee team. Everybody thought the Rocky Top was going to be a super tough out because of Joe Milton in this offense and Hyple in this high-powered offense. I don't know how much uh, power that they got in it, but they need some gas power, some nuclear power, some electric, some EV power. They need all types of power because right now it is not looking like it.
0: My bust, the Ohio State Buckeyes. And we already talked to their hosts here, Jay Stevens on the show. What have you done for me? You sucked against Indiana, you were lackluster against Youngstown State at times defensively, it was 14-7 to coming out of the first quarter against Youngstown State. And if you're Ohio State, that shouldn't happen. This week you get Western Kentucky, and we talk about teams finishing and doing what they're supposed to do. Ohio State's 2-0, oh, but it feels like a fraudulent 2-0. Oh. Their quarterback yeah. feels handicapped so far. I, what, what can you do for him? You struck? He, he struggled so much against Indiana. He is one-dimensional. He can't run the football. McCord, I don't think, is an elite quarterback that can lead Ohio State to a Big a Big Ten championship. You already disappointed last year by getting killed by Michigan in the regular season. We invited you to the college football playoff, and you had Georgia not just on the ropes. You had the game one late let it slip through your fingers and i still a lot of ohio state fans that agree with me i don't buy this whole ryan day thing i'm still not all the way sold on ryan Day until this guy with the most talent in the country with so much money with a massive recruiting pool and big brand until this guy can start winning a championship until you win a championship that, that's one of those universities, Kenton, and there's only about five or six of them, that your oh, yes. standard here is to win a national championship. And if you can't do that, a la Mark Richt at Georgia. Georgia yes. wanted a championship. Georgia fans are going, why would you fire perennial 10-2 Mark Richt? To win a championship. Ryan Day is getting dangerously into that territory. They are one of my busts. Kenton, give me another boom.
1: Well, I mean, in, in terms of booms, you know, we got to go to a team that uh, is in the similar vein of that whole Mark Richt and winning the national championship and are they back conversation perennially. The Texas Longhorns, I got to give them their guts. I got to give them their props. I got to give them their respect. They showed up and beat Alabama. Let's just be honest. This was not a game in which Alabama beat themselves. No, Texas showed up. Quinn Ewers mm-hmm. is finally looking like the guy that everybody thought he was. I mean, that boy was out there dropping dimes like he was trying to get kicked out of a strip club. He did everything that you need to do out of a starting quarterback in a big game. He did everything that you need to do in terms of not just protecting the ball because there's three different types of quarterback. There's the quarterback you win in spite of. He's playing terribly, but your defense and your running game is good enough to get it done. There's the quarterback you win with. I hand off the ball. I hit things on time. Every now and then I make a good play for you. Don't ask for too much. And then there's the quarterback you win because of. And let me tell you something. Quinn has been the guy that because of you, they feel real safe down there in Austin. I love it. Keep it up. I'm not going to say that Texas is back. However, Texas looked phenomenal. They're one of my boom teams so far this year.
0: Kenton, my boom, and I think it's a level 18 boom. This is a level, maybe even level 20, uh, which is getting kind of crazy. This is, from our production team to you to myself, the Colorado Buffalo. I mean, this is – yeah. A team that you very yeah. well thought could be 0-2. Many had them at one, two, three wins. How do you put a band aid on a bullet hole at this point? They were one and eleven last season. They've already doubled that win total. They're two and zero with wins against TCU and Nebraska. And and what I want to hone in on here for a bit is this whole Jay Norvell Deion Sanders conversation. Because yeah. while I think Colorado is a big boom, I've got Jay Norvell as a boom this week. He put himself and his program on the map while all the talk has been about Colorado. What do you
1: make of this? I strongly disagree with you. Whoa. He's going to be a footnote. Jay in the Norvell,
0: strongly category. Uh-oh. Watch it. Listen, listen. That's I level agree. 18 disagree I, right there. Ken I was Giff. just about
1: to say, I agree <laughs> to the level 18. Boom. I agree to that. But I think that this is a huge bust for Jay Norvell because, number one, you're not going to be out on that field. Somebody's going to get hit in the kidneys for what no. you said, brother. Oh, that's that's the reality of what we're looking at here. But even beyond that, I I very strongly feel like there are certain things that you can talk about that you can, you know, they're fair game, right? If you say, "Hey, Shador hasn't seen a defense like ours. He's never had to throw in his title windows that we're going to make him go against." Hey, Travis Hunter hasn't seen receivers and DBs like ours. We're going to be all over him like a ferret on the first day of hunting. I love it. I'm all for it. When you talk about how a man was raised, that mm. really is. If you talk, listen. I love my mother. I know she's watching this right now, Mom. I love you. If somebody said, Ken don't know how to host because, you know, that that's just – I was raised that you never use any type of vernacular English when you're speaking on television. You speak proper standard English. Now now you talked about how my mother raised me. Okay, personal. now it is personal. Now it is personal. Now I want to beat your show because it's that personal to me because now you've disrespected my mother. That is insane. Of all the things that you have to disrespect about them, of all the things you say, you can say, hey, they can be the, the glitz and glam team. We'll be the team that works hard. We'll be the team that puts our nose to the grindstone. We'll be the team with the with the, the calloused and nasty hands. They can have those manicure polished ones. We'll be the ones that have our hands like this so that we can relax at the end of this thing when we're singing our fight song. We're playing Katie Dids at the doorstep in the end zone. But you don't talk about a man's mama. You don't talk <laughs> about the way a man was raised. That's just insane. And now you earned your team getting 50 because you made it what? Personal. He made it personal. I j- Look, he was already going to lose by a lot. It yeah.
0: so was already going to lose All by right. a lot. That's and Dion, what was going to happen was Dion was going to dig up three weeks ago. Jay Norvell probably said, Oh, I think the biggest game on our schedule is Nevada, because that's the game that matters to them, probably. Yeah. And Dion was going to pull that and be like, Oh, they don't respect us. They don't give us any love. Like Colorado State's overlooking us. He would take it out of context, bring it to his team, and try to make it personal. He was already going to do that with something small. Jay Norvell said, No, don't dig. I'll just give it to you. We're already going to get. It just beat out of us. we're going to get killed. But let's get killed and make headlines for a couple of days. I th- Again, no publicity is bad publicity. Everyone knows the name Jay Norvell now. And the spotlight has been turned for a moment from Dion to Jay Norvell. How does Dion respond? Of course, saying it's personal, which is the same thing he said last week and the week before that. This is like a, a reoccurring thing for Dion. And Jay Norvell just said, look, if it's personal for you, it can be personal for me. I take my glasses off and take my hat off when I sit down. My, that's how my mama raised me. I mean... <laughs> He did not, which like Matt Rule, right? Matt Rule cowered down and, yeah. oh, you know, he didn't double down on his on his words on game week. Jay Norvell said, I'm going to make it very apparent what I think about Colorado. I'm not going to dance around it. You think he's the big bad bully? Look, I can come to the table too with my own disrespect. And to me, that shows some cojones from a guy who already knew he's going to get his
1: rocked. Oh, absolutely. Listen, I'm, I'm never going to say that he didn't pull a bold move. I, that, if you're asking if it was bold, that's a level hundred lock. It, yeah. That was extremely <laughs> bold. Okay, I was Batman the Brave in the Bowl for those of you who remember that show. But with that being said, was it smart? Was it advantageous for his team? Absolutely not. Absolutely not. Again, this was already going to be a situation where I'm sure the dogs were going to be called off, and Travis Hunter was going to be in a hot tub by the middle of the third quarter and whatnot. But it just it to me again, there are certain things that are inbounds, in play. You can go for it. You can, you know, that's that's college game day stuff, sign stuff. Like that's not that's not real football stuff. That's not real. Let's talk the on the field going and going ons and happenings uh, stuff to me. And I'm I'm very much so one of those guys. It's like keep it on the field. Any problem I have, and if I have a problem with you off the field, let it be between me and you as men. Let it be between. Don't bring my wife into it. Don't bring my kids into it. Don't bring my mom into it. That's just those are things to me that when you bring that in there, even if he was just doing his job to sell the fight, right? Because we've all seen this with boxers and UFC fighters. Like, yes. if you talk to the guy, he's the most humble guy in the world and doesn't really like doing that, but he's like, hey, I talked the way I did because I needed to sell the fight. Sure, you don't sell the fight with mama. You don't sell the fight with mama because now, now we fighting here and in the ring. We're we going to fight here first, and then you're going to get whooped on in the ring. But for him, Deion is, is an old man. He ain't going you know, to put hands on you. He just going to say, hey, Travis, go deep. <laughs> hey, Shador. Hit hey, Travis behind that five eight corner that runs a four seven. Go ahead, that's what we're gonna do.
0: Hey, Captain, is my Wi-Fi coming through? Okay, can you see me? All right.
1: Yeah, I, I can see. I can see. Okay,
0: because it looks like I keep getting these up every time I get a notification. My Wi-Fi kind of just flickers in and out, and I keep mm-hmm. getting these these LinkedIn requests from Jimbo Fisher. He really wants to be friends. Looks like he's yeah. got this whole thing freshened up. Uh, I I don't. I think Jimbo Fisher might be
1: looking for a new job. Yeah, uh, well, Jimbo ain't the only one. You know, Jimbo's looking for a new job, but he ain't the only one. Uh, Billy Napier is also a couple of weeks away from looking for a new job. Oh, leave Billy alone because he's nah. new. He's new in the game. He's new in the game. So we'll we'll give Billy some grace. Jeff Halfley, that red bandana game. I, I think that they should take a book out of Tip Penn State's page and make it the whiteout games. That way, they can wave the white flag and send uh, send send Jeff on his way respectfully. And, and I'm gonna call you Jeffrey. Jeff, can I call you Jeffrey? I'm gonna call you Jeffrey. <laughs> Jeffrey, I know it's been a long time coming, you know. And and I'm gonna tell you this, it's looking like Ohio State may need a new staff up there soon. And I know you're an no. Ohio State guy. I know you're an Ohio State guy, Jeff. You know what I mean? Just pick up the phone, baby. You know what I mean? Call them. Give it, hey Ryan. I listen, your new defensive coordinator. I, I heard you want that old thing back. I'll be there, brother. If you need me, I'll be there because I mean, you know, both of those are are tough situations, but I'll tell you what. Boston College just barely scraping by by the skin of their teeth against Holy Cross. Whew, it's going to be an unholy firing, brother. It's going to be an unholy job search in terms of, you know, this market is tough. market. I'm I'm a career coach too, Jeff. So, if you, again, Mr. Halfley actually not because I'm asking for some money. Now, Mr. Halfley, if you want to, you know, have a career consultation, I can tell you other things you can get into to make yourself a little money. bro.
0: Jefferson Halfley. Notable listener to Locked On College Football Live is probably very upset right now, um, because he is going to be fired. The (laughs) I don't know what happened to Dono, man. I think Dono gave himself a one-week self-imposed ban because of how excited he got from the Miami win. He pulled the (laughs) he saw this week's slate of college football and pulled the Jim Harbaugh for us. Mm -hmm. Um, so I think since we have a third spot available, what do you say we reach out to Butch Jones? We could have had him help us host the show this week. He has scored three points, Kenton, three points in two weeks for Arkansas State. What once was a great program, no matter who coached it, I wonder if Butch Jones has a job waiting for him here at Locked On.
1: Hey, listen, Butch, you know, we we don't have (laughs) anything for Arkansas State, brother. We don't have anything for Arkansas State. Come on. Come on. You know what I mean? You you know more about the end and that program. I got a few sources at NC State. I got a few sources around the ACC. I know you got more sources than me in that Arkansas State program, brother. Go on. Come on. Come on. You know what I mean? Uh, I'll hop on the phone with Mr. Lock and Company and we'll we'll get you we'll get you squared away, brother. We'll get you a mic set up. We'll tell you the best headphones to use and all that. You know what I mean? I, I know you're a little older, so we'll set you up with a good producer and uh we'll we'll help you out there. But uh I don't think he's going to be a head coach too much longer. You know, I I knew back in this Tennessee days when he tried to make one of the best running backs in the nation, a tight end that that wasn't going to work out very long. And so um, with all due respect, you know, Arkansas state's athletic director, LinkedIn jobs. If if you need to post a job for free, you know what I mean? I, I'm just saying. Purple hashtag
0: hiring frame. It is right Purple there for hiring. you. It is, is
1: right there. there for you. Um,
0: Kenton, there are the ones who legitimately have LinkedIn profiles. Jimbo Fisher, Butch Jones, uh, mm-hmm. Jeff Halfley as well. Neil Brown at West Virginia. His days are numbered. Billy Napier has been an absolute joke at Florida. I mean – Phil, <laughs> look, I could Brandon win as a head coach. Been, if anybody can win as a head you can recruit, you get four or five star players. And Billy Napier has somehow found a way to mess it up. Dave Aranda, his LinkedIn profile has been updated at Baylor, now 0 2 after a loss to Texas State and Utah. But yeah. one person, I'm hearing the murmurs, Kenton, mm-hmm. that Brent Venables has downloaded the LinkedIn jobs app after a disappointing win this past weekend, disappointing win against SMU, the whole Art Bryles being on the field, then Jeff Labby making his profile picture Art Bryles to directly go against Venables and Joe Castiglione on the athletic director. People are wondering, what's going on with Brent Venables who brought Oklahoma to a sub-500 season last year?
1: So here's the thing. Brent Venables um, maybe should have taken the page out of Bud Foster's book. Bud Foster is widely respected as one of, if not the greatest defensive coordinator in all of college football history. You know why? He found where his home was. He found where he was comfortable. He stayed there forever. He literally is still just hanging around in Blacksburg now. He was with the uh, with the I want to say ACC Network crew last week when they were doing their little tailgate segment. For Virginia Tech, and mind you, he wasn't there as a pundit. He was there drinking. That man said, I'm going to be yeah. drunk with an O by the time this game starts. More power to you, brother. But with that being said, um, Brett, hey, coaching ain't for everybody. Everybody ain't able. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? You gave it the old college try. You gave it the attempt. You don't got to update your LinkedIn, Brett. You know why? Because um, in the words of 7th Heaven, where can you go when the world don't treat you right? The answer is home, and that's the one place that you'll find Dabo Sweeney. You need to go on back. They need you over there. They need you over there, brother. You going back to Clemson? Going back, okay? Because you don't have to. All these other coaches, they got to find somewhere to be. Uh, Brent, go ahead, go home. Stop playing. You've messed around long enough now. You know, and Dabo Sweeney, you ought to be standing outside of his house in Oklahoma. Playing baby, come back outside the boom box. I mean, going full Cusack on them. Okay, so you know that's just my opinion there. Now that one, you are too young to understand. Right? Uh, yes, yes, <laughs> I am. You're correct. Uh,
0: what I love is is one writer wrote, if they don't have a mess on the field at Oklahoma, they will create a mess off the field. With Art Bryles being in Norman, uh, Venables' era at OU is right now. He's two and zero following last season's sub 500 season they've got tulsa which should be a win on the road but you never know with Venables. so far he's been hit or miss certainly and i just this is an oklahoma team it's in a they are truly in a prove it year because when you go sub 500 at nc state or baylor in your first year they're like oh yeah sure there's a progression sure. there's, there's there are levels to this oklahoma no, sir. That does, they don't do. They don't play that game at OU. So Brent Venables, I don't know if your days are truly numbered here, but he's at least downloaded that LinkedIn app, and we're going to keep a pulse on that the rest of the season because somebody has got to lead them into the SEC. And I'm, I'm hearing murmurs from Oklahoma fans that they don't, they're not exactly confident that he's going to be that guy that can get him there in the future. Now, Kenton, there are some huge storylines in college football. That we could get, I mean, there's so many that we haven't gotten to yet. So what do you say we blitz all the way through them? It's that time where we hear from our lead dog, the MVP, the czar of Locked On and Locked On Auburn host, Zach Blackerby for the Blackerby Blitz. It is Zach Blackerby of Locked On Auburn. The Blackerby Blitz this week, we go through the nation's biggest headlines in college football and Zach reacts. Zach Deion Sanders, um, notable douchebag to some, savior of college football to others. He took shots this week when Jay Norvell said, "When I when I meet a man, I take my hat off, my glasses off, and I shake his hand." Dion didn't like that. Zach, where do you sit? Yeah,
7: he riled riled up his folks, and he said, "Up, oh, they made it personal. They made it personal. Why? Why is Colorado State wanting to do this? It makes no sense." At all. I mean, I think Colorado's got the talent advantage, and now they've got the reason to play. I mean, maybe Colorado State could have snuck up on them. Maybe. That's not happening now. I I think this is a bad move. And Deion gets to keep playing the same song over and over again. People keep counting us out. People don't believe in us. And he's able to turn that on to his team and say, hey, these people doubt you, and now you can go and show them. Uh, I don't know why people keep giving them ammo, Drake. It
0: doesn't make sense. Every week, Deion says the same thing. They don't respect us. They doubt us. And guess what? He was going to do it with Colorado State. Now Colorado State gave him a reason to because they know they're going to lose. Mm-hmm. And now, what are we talking about today, Zach? Not Deion Sanders, but Jay Norvell and Deion. I didn't know who coached Colorado State three days ago. Sure. And now I do because Jay Norvell is alongside Deion Sanders in the headline. Look, College Game Day wasn't here for Jay Norvell. Neither is Fox Sports. But now there's a storyline that includes the Colorado State head coach. No publicity is bad. We were going to get killed anyway, but now they're talking about us.
7: I don't know, man. I think it's such a boneheaded move. I don't know if it is a good thing for Colorado State.
0: Oh, well, they like Jay. I know Jay Norvell's name now. So if anything comes out of it, Jay Norvell made the show. Wow.
7: Never thought Uh, we'd talk
0: about him uh, on uh, on the Blackerby Blitz. I didn't either, but you know what? Who I, one guy that I didn't think we'd be talking about in the hot seat? I mean, they're trying to fire Nick Saban now. He done lost to Texas at home. Not, Zach, has Saban lost that little touch?
7: Not to, uh, not to circle back to Dion so quickly, but the amount of like message board posts, like we gotta go get Dion, and yeah, all the these deal. Tuscaloosa message boards, like holy cow, what a wild world that we live in. I don't think Nick Saban's done it, Drake. You can't look at how Nick Saban talked to the media after that loss and tell me that it it looks like it always has. Something seems different. Hmm. Something seems off. I don't know if Nick Saban's just getting older and maybe he's tired or maybe he knows this team isn't as good as they typically are and he knows he doesn't have a championship team. I'm not sure, but something does seem different. Seems off
0: which is a damn shame for the Auburn fans of the world. And you, and you too, Zach, I'm sorry.
7: Well, uh, Drake, I just got to tell you, the Iron Bowl is in Auburn this year. Yeah. And weird things happen when that game is played
0: yes. in Jordan-Hare Stadium. Yes. Um. Wh- speaking of weird things, how about relations via a telephone for one Power Five head coach who just signed a 10-year contract? Mel Tucker and Michigan State likely completely parting ways after he had inappropriate, unwarranted relations with a sexual assault survivor and advocate via his cellular device. What do we do with this?
7: Uh, you, you fire him, which yeah. is, is what Michigan State is going to do. And, and look, obviously, the folks impacted, like, you know, hopefully everybody's okay and recovers and, and all of that. But the, you know, Michigan State trying to fire him for cause. And Drake, I mean, you and I aren't attorneys, right? You may kind of look like one, but I I think um, I think this is interesting because Michigan State looks like they're going to be able to fire him for cause. And in this world of college football that has contracts that are just having this massive, massive buyout structures, I cover Auburn. I know better than anyone. I'm curious to see if they pull this off because it may kind of set some precedent for coach firings in the future.
0: Yeah, what's interesting is Michigan State was probably looking for a way out of that 10-year Mel Tucker. If it's a three- to five-year deal, maybe you leave him around for a bit. They're looking for a way out. Mel Tucker said, hey, look no further. I'm going to do a really bad thing. Uh, And he lied about it, so probably did it. Not a good Now, Zach, speaking of legal issues and lawyers, the Pac-12 is being sued. Washington State and Oregon State want complete voting rights in that conference. And I think it's a valiant, valiant pull.
7: Yeah, uh, the two-team conference, they should have 50-50 splits, right? I, I think that's how my math works. Yeah. I, I mean, I, I still just don't fully understand what they're doing. And it, to me, it seems like with with these two teams that are left, Drake, it kind of just seems like they're mad. And they're like, mm-hmm. well, you can't shut down unless you let us sue you. It's just a weird thing because I I don't really know how this conference survives. And there's been talk about maybe they merge with the Mountain West or something like that. Who knows? Really unfortunate for those two programs. But to me, this just feels like, okay, we're upset. We've got to do something. Hey, Pac 12, we hate you.
0: Yeah. Well, they're gonna law they're gonna file a lawsuit, likely win the lawsuit, and at least have voting rights over where the rest of the assets of the conference go, which could end in a pretty big payday for those two schools. Maybe weird weird consolation prize to go to the Mountain West. Zach, Quinn Ewers will win the Heisman now. Is Texas really back following a win against Alabama?
7: I think Texas is back. I think Texas Mm. is the real deal. And look, you know this better than me. Outside of Texas, and maybe Kansas State, the Big 12 isn't good. And, And I don't think Texas loses again until they play in the college football playoff, Drake. I think their toughest hurdle is now behind them. And they have to have all the confidence in the world.
0: At 1245 Central Time on Saturday, uh, well, Sunday morning, I turned my TV off thinking the Cal Golden Bears had closed out a 10-7 win at home over the Auburn Tigers, only to figure out what a thrilling 14-10 to finish. It's our one Auburn question every week, so I don't get fired. Zach, the Auburn Tigers, got it done in a thriller.
7: Yeah, yeah, a little ACC after dark visiting Cal. What a disastrous performance, but hey. They found a way. They found a way. Apparently, all these Pac-12 folks have since reached out to Auburn people and said, yeah, that's what Pac-12 after dark is. It's weird stuff. And I'm like, no wonder you don't exist as a conference anymore because that was yeah. not fun to watch. No,
0: no. Very good to go to sleep, too, uh, and happy for my wallet, and thanks to FanDuel, that Auburn did win the game. That's Zach Blackery, Blackery Blitz, top headlines in college football this week. Kenton, before we get out of here, I want to give our super dogs this week the outright victories that will shock college football in week three. I'm going to give you a second for yours because mm-hmm. I have perused the landscape of college game. I don't think Colorado State's going to pull a massive upset. Mm-hmm. I don't think Wyoming shocks Texas the week, after, no. the week after the Longhorns beat up on Alabama at Alabama. But I do think, Kenton, and call me crazy. This is, it's a tough week to pick an upset this week. I've got two of them, two contenders here. And one of them is going to happen. I'm going to guarantee one of them at least, and I, I, I'm maybe I'll find out when I explain them. Mississippi State covers nine and a half against LSU, and they mm-hmm. might just win outright because I think Brian Kelly, some of that, some of the honeymoon stuff is worn off now. And that LSU team, there's no way, there is no way they are bought in into play for Brian Kelly. Just the right. stuff that he has put out in front of the media, how much of a just an idiot he looks ninety percent of the time he's in front of a camera or a microphone. There's no way an 18 year old kid's like, oh yeah, I'm vibing with this guy. And I also think, I also think that Tennessee at Florida is such a trap for a Tennessee team that has not met expectations. And a Florida team that's playing at night, at home, it'll be ugly and gross. And ugly and gross favors the home team. Give me Tennessee losing to Florida in Gainesville to a very inferior Florida team and saving Billy Napier for at least a little bit. And give me Mississippi State outright upset over LSU. Super Mm dog.
1: Mm-hmm. You know, it's tough for me to come up with a true super dog in terms of like a big point spread going against the team and oh. nobody had given them a chance. But I will give you this one, okay? For all the hell that we've given the SEC all episode and talking about, hey, this team's got no chance. This team can't compete, yada, yada, so on and so forth. I'm sorry to tell you, Deuce Vaughn meant a lot more to Kansas State than most people. Mm,
0: Captain, watch out. Don't go I where think, I
1: think you're going. I think Deuce Vaughn meant more to that team than mm. many people thought, and I think that in a old Big Twelve matchup, give me that Ooh. old time religion. I think Missouri finds a way. I think Missouri finds a way to pull off the upset here. I think it's time that you know what I mean. I, I that's my biggest upset of the week.
0: I think Eli Drinkwitz and Brian Kelly should coach together at like a, a junior high football team. Just life Listen, lessons.
1: I love Eli Drinkwitz. I think that he's a phenomenal coach. I really and truly do. Everywhere that he's been has been better when he left oh. and when he got there. With that being said, I think that um, Missouri may have been biting off a little bit more than he could chew. But I think that he can chew Kansas State, uh, lean Kansas State quail just fine. I think he'll get this one done.
0: Boom. Eli Drinkwitz, the Alma Arkansas product. That's Kenton Gibbs of Locked On Wolfpack and Locked On ACC. Yo soy Drake toll of locked on dose grande. Thank you for making locked on college football kickoff live your lunchtime. Listen, every single Friday, come back next week. where We break down those massive upsets, the biggest storylines, and Kenton's going to ride his Peloton. This has been and always will be <laughs> locked on college football kickoff live.